Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. I'm wondering this morning about complaining. How do you guys feel about complaining? Do you like to hear the people around you complain? What about complaining yourself? I mean, most of us have had an experience where we felt upset or something bad has happened to us, and then we want to let others know, and so that, that's where that impulse to complain. But, but oftentimes when we do that, somebody says, stop complaining, or maybe they roll their eyes or they just don't want to hear it. And so most of us have internalized inside that it's not so good to complain, that other people don't want to hear us complain, and so we just need to stop complaining. Well, today... I want to share some rather surprising news with you. God wants to hear you complain. That's right. God wants to hear you complain. If that surprises you, it shouldn't. Uh, If you were to read through the Bible and notice all the different prayers throughout the Scripture, Honestly, like the majority of them contain at least one complaint. There are complaints all over the Bible and lots and lots of prayer. I want to share a few examples of prayers in the Bible where people are complaining just to kind of get us warmed up, get our complaint muscles going. This is from Psalm 44, verses 23 to 26. Awake, Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Forever, Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? We are brought down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up and help us. Rescue us because of your unfailing love. In this prayer, the psalmist is accusing God of being asleep on the job. He's responsible for taking care of his people's needs, but the psalmist is saying, God, it seems like you've nodded off. Do something. Can you not see that we're miserable here? Do you forget our misery? Here's another one from Psalm 17. Rise up, Lord. Confront them. Bring them down with your sword. Rescue me from the wicked by your hand. Save me from such people, Lord, from those this world whose reward is in this life. For those of this world whose reward is in this life. And this psalmist, he's complaining to God about some enemy. So there's somebody in his life who's annoying him or who's hurting him or who's persecuting him or who hates him or is making his life miserable. And so he's complaining to God, saying, do something about my enemies. Help me triumph over these people. Asking God to act. These are just two examples. There's many, many more examples. And throughout the Bible, this language of complaining to God has an official term and really an official form. And that that label is lament. Lament. And there are whole books of the Bible that are dedicated to lament. Books like Job. And then there's an actual book called Lamentations. And it's all about complaining. An entire book of the Bible dedicated to lament. And as you take, like, if you were to look at all the different laments throughout the scripture and pay attention to all the different things that people lament about, the thing that you see is that absolutely nothing is off limits. There is nothing that is off limits when we want to complain to God. 
So you can see things like people complaining about their bodies not working, disease, pain, disappointment with life, depression, enemies, even complaining about God, saying, God, you're not doing your job correctly. So whatever might be bothering us, we, want, we should complain about God wants us to complain to him about these things. And our passage for today that Mary read, Psalm 13, that's on the back of your handout sheet, is basically like a, a classic lament psalm, and it provides a really good form or structure for how to lament. So we're going to look at it because I want us to do more complaining to God. This may sound like a joke, but... But this is serious. We need to lament because there's something that important that happens in our souls when we lament to God. When we lament to our Father in heaven, we're able to reconstruct meaning in our lives when we're facing suffering. Lament is a meaning-making practice. So when we feel overwhelmed with hardship, we're in the midst of a pandemic where things aren't going our way, there's a hopelessness and a despair and a purposelessness and a meaninglessness that can creep in. Lament helps us remake meaning for our lives in the midst of hardship. So for our psalm, here's the process. I'm going to give you three steps for when you lament. So this week, when you're feeling upset and you're in the shower, follow these very simple three steps to, to lament to God. The first is just describing our pain and suffering, right? It starts this way. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? So there's this sense of naming that he feels abandoned. Naming that he feels alone. Naming that he feels forgotten by God. When you and I complain, the first thing we do to God is turn towards God and just describe what we're experiencing. Describe what makes us sad. Describe what we want to complain about. Just get it all out. God knows it, just get it all out. I feel sad. My parents aren't treating me fairly. I'm being persecuted at work. I hate this person I share a cube with. Well, not right now. Maybe share a Zoom call with. So that's the first step. We just describe. Turn towards the Lord and describe. The second step is then we ask. We ask God to do something. So in our psalm, look on me and answer. Look on me and answer. And this is the part that I think can sometimes be really hard for us because we feel like, well, am I allowed to ask that? Is that an appropriate thing? Is that, a, is that the right thing to ask for? Don't worry about it. This is a time for ruthless honesty. If people in the Psalms are asking God to destroy their enemies, we can ask for whatever we want from God. God, make that person go away. God, solve this problem that I have. So we just ask. We ask God to ask. We ask God to do something. So we describe our situation, we complain to God, then we ask God to do something, and you don't have to filter it through the proper, like what you think is appropriate. Just ask God to do something. And then the third step is we let go and we trust. In our psalm, but I trust in your unfailing love. And this is crucial. Because we've let God know about our problem, and then we've asked him to do something, this is the part that brings so much freedom for us. We release. We, we say, this is no longer my responsibility to fix my suffering. This is no longer my responsibility to fix everything that's wrong with the world. So we let go, and we say, I trust 
in your unfailing love, we let go, we surrender, and we trust. Very simple. When we're facing hardship or disappointment or pain, we have to turn to God and lament. Tell him our problem, ask him to do something, and then let go and trust in his unfailing love. And when we do this, all of a sudden, that experience that felt so meaningless and purposeless, our suffering, our despair, it all, now there's meaning because we have a purpose. And our purpose is to cling to the Lord and trust in his unfailing love throughout this hardship. And this is hard, but it gives us a purpose. And in fact, this is the most significant purpose that you and I have for our entire life because that's the purpose of who we are becoming on the inside. We can become people. Our character can be formed in such a way that when we experience hardship, we choose to trust through that hardship and live lives of love. And if hardship then becomes this incredible opportunity for us to achieve and accomplish or make progress on the most important purpose of our whole life, becoming people of love and trust. It's in this hardship that you and I, our souls are changed and transformed. I want to close with a Dallas Willard quote that I heard this week. I was listening to a talk uh, by a famous pastor, and he was being forced to resign, and this was his farewell sermon. And I've been following this story because it's been really public over the last four to five or six months. And I won't go into the details, but basically there was this, all this drama, and this pastor made a mistake, and then there's all this public accusations against him on, on social media, and uh, clearly he made a mistake, but it was really sad that he was unable to, they were unable to work things out, and so he was asked to resign, and he had to leave. And so in this final message that he's giving to his church, he's saying goodbye to them. Uh, you can tell he is deeply disappointed and deeply hurt, because he still feels like he didn't make that much of a mistake, but then other people think he made this terrible mistake, and he's being forced out. Uh, and so he's got all this pain inside of him. And thankfully he had enough self-awareness to say, oh, well, I know that I'm not the only person for whom life is not working out the way that we want it to. There's a lot of us facing hardship, especially in this pandemic. Career isn't working out, sports season's canceled, strain in our marriages, uh, relationship with kids or parents, fraught with tension. There's lots of us for whom life has not turned out or is not the way that we want it to be right now, experiencing suffering. And so as he's aware of his hardship, he's losing his job, his reputation is significantly damaged, he sees that God is doing something in him. So he, he, and he calls to mind this quote from Dallas Willard that speaks this deeper purpose when we're facing hardship that goes like this. The fact that your fleshly life, this life on earth, is not very significant is really not very significant. What is of great significance is the person you become. Circumstances and other people are not in control of an individual's character or the life that lies endlessly before them in the kingdom of God. And that's, that quote struck me as really rich. Listen, I'm going to read it again. Circumstances and other people are not in control of the person you are becoming. They're not in control of your character. Or the life that lies endlessly before you in the kingdom of God. No matter what is happening in your life, 
Nobody can control who you become except you. Nobody can control whether you become or me, whether I become a person rooted in God's love and committed to loving and serving others. And in fact, when we face hard circumstances or difficult people, these can be the very means by which we speed that transformative process up. And lament is a practice that we can use to help us on that process. Lament is a way for us to face our suffering and make it meaningful because it gives us that purpose of turning in trust and love towards the Lord. Lament remakes our, our suffering from something meaningless into something deeply meaningful. So I want to encourage you to join me in practicing lament whenever you feel sad or, or you face a hardship by describing what is happening to you, to God, asking God to change it, and then letting go of it and trusting in his unfailing love. This is how we lament our hardships and remake the meaningless into something meaningful. Let's pray. God, in the midst of a world full of hurt and disappointment right now, we turn towards you and recognize that you have not left us, that your love is great for us, and you are accomplishing the great purpose of, of transforming our souls into your likeness. And we want to trust that no matter what pain or hardship each of us is facing, that you are accomplishing this good purpose today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.